Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Icons. Did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall, who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. Uh, and also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one bestselling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for the year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like Are you an overbuyer or underbuyer? A morning person or night person? Abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast. Available now, free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. The Real Housewives of New York season 14 premiere is upon us. How are we all feeling? Do we like the new gals? Do we miss the old gals? Now, it's a completely rebooted cast of characters for Roni season 14, so it's a lot to take in. Now, I did get chills during those opening credits when we get all of the women doing their taglines, because at the end of it with the group shot, they're all holding them apples, and they're literally leaning on each other in that opening group shot, which is so different than some of our other franchises when we're getting a CGI version of Margaret standing next to Teresa, and they're not even in the same room together. Do you know what I mean? So here on The Real Houses in New York, to sing all of the women together as a cohesive group. And it gave me chills. It gave me chills. I loved it. I was so excited. Now, then the episode starts, and I'll be completely honest. 
want to give my unedited opinion here on everything iconic. So do not yell at me in the DMs if I have a different opinion. I'm just trying to be honest and open with you all. And it was an ever-evolving journey, my opinion, on this premiere episode. Because the first time that I watched it, I'll be honest, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. That's my God honest truth. And so I ended up talking to some friends and a lot of people that I know and trust were telling me, Danny, you got to watch it again. It was so good. There's so much to love about it. Try it again. So I went in and I watched it a second time. My expectations were lowered a little bit. I got my bearings and I found so much to love that whole restaurant fight, uh, which was blurred out. I thought that was fantastic. I'm obsessed with Bryn. And in general, all of the women, I'm excited to get to know more, which I think is a great sign. But still, even after that second viewing, which I liked a lot, I still wasn't like over the moon about it. I still watched it. I was like, I liked it more and my expectations were lower and I'm excited about going forward. But I didn't think it was like the greatest episode I've ever seen of any TV show. Now, this is why it's ever evolving, because last night, a podcast episode came out between Bethany Skinny Girl Ham Frankel and Jill Rugg Zarin, where they sat down for the first time since they were on the show together to hash out their relationship on Bethany's podcast. That's right. It was like an hour and a half of those two sitting down. And I think it was just part one, because I'm... They kept alluding to the fact that we're going to record something else, but it was an unedited interview between Bethany and Jill, and supposedly that was done because Jill had been burned in the past with editing or whatever, so they had agreed that they would just do a completely unedited conversation. So the podcast episode literally ends with them just like talking about animals who have passed. I mean, it was the most wild ending. I don't even know if that makes any sense. (laughs) But it just ends with them discussing people who've passed. And there's no, like, goodbye. It just sort of trails off with them being like, well, and then Cookie passed. And it's like, what's going on? (laughs) And then it just cuts out. Like, that's the ending. So it's completely, that's the end. But the whole hour and a half is wild, so chaotic, talking over each other. There's so much tenseness in the air between Jill and Bethany. So every single time one of them is talking, you're just wondering, like, is this going to erupt in a fight? And they're going backwards and talking about fights that they had in the past, about who uh, brought who along and sending flowers when Bobby was sick and all this stuff that we're dredging up from the past. They also reveal that for Bobby's funeral, Jill Zarin did not even sign a release. So she's in an episode when Bobby passed and Bethany approaches her on the street and Jill said she never signed a a release form, but uh, Bravo was banking on the fact that allegedly she wouldn't sue or something like that. So there is a lot of tea spilled in this uh, podcast episode between Bethany and Jill. However, there was so much uh, stuff being brought up from the past that just bummed me out that by the end of the hour and a half, I was like, thank God we rebooted The Real Houses of New York. (laughs) Thank Andy Cohen that we rebooted The Real House of New York because just hearing the two of them drudge up that stuff from the past, I like could not go backwards. And it, uh, one of the arguments about The Real House of New York is just that it got so kind of toxic between the women. There was so much drinking and fighting and it got really heavy handed a lot of the times on The Real House of New York up through season 13. And I always stuck up for that. But by the end of this podcast episode, I was like, I just need fresh and light and fun because hearing Jill and Bethany, who weren't even, I'd say, the most toxic on the cast of The Real House of New York, previously i like dick and they hadn't even been around for very long they've been off the show for so long but just hearing the same arguments that we had in the past i was so that made me the most excited going forward with this new cast of women on the real house in new york so i'm 
cautiously optimistic and very excited. And although I do have a few critiques, I think ultimately the premiere episode was good, but we're going to have to wait and see because the first episode is never really all that great in general. And it's going to take a while for these women to gel together. So we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to go to bravotv.com for more information and just watch what happens live. Like we always do. Now I want to let you know that the everything iconic orange County recap will be on hiatus this week. So we will not be recapping orange County. I got some personal health stuff going on. And so, uh, there will be, I believe, an end just like that episode later this week, but there will not be an Orange County recap. So I just want to let you all know, I have a guest joining me for the Real House of New York recap in just a minute. My guest, Jess, is a New York Bravo expert, and she's going to be joining me to break down the premiere. Jess has a new podcast called Finding Fire Island, which you can listen to wherever you get your podcasts. And I want to remind you all that Everything Iconic Live show tickets are on sale. I'm going to be on tour in October. So get tickets at everythingiconic.com. At the top of the page, there's a link for the live show tickets. So you get those there. You can also pre-order my book. It's called The Jolliest Bunch out October 24th. With all that said, please enjoy my chat with Jess. We're going to break down this whole episode of The Real Houses in New York. Woo! Let's go, girl! Jess Rothschild, she created this podcast, Finding Fire Island, that if you're interested in Fire Island at all, which you should be, go check out this podcast. She also hosts a podcast called Hot Takes and Deep Dives. Jess, how are you today? Danny, where do we even begin? Oh my God, Roni. I just, I just watched, I, you know, I canceled cable. I made the critical error of actually going through my credit card bill and identifying all these things that I should really just get rid of. And unfortunately, I did that the week of the Vanderpump reunion part three. Oh my God. So cut to me the day that's airing, like getting a friend's login to be able to watch it on Bravo live, you know, like the app live. And so last night I was faced with the same thing of, oh God, it's like I'm not part of this. And so I did wait until I didn't want to deal with watching it on the, on the app. So I've just watched, I watched it twice. <gasps> just, I watched it twice this. too for you. Yeah. Because I, the first time I'll be completely honest and I save the DMs. I don't want to get, I don't want people yelling at me. The first time I watched it, I really did not care for it. I, I'm sorry to say that. I think there's a lot of good things about it that we're going to get into. And of course, if you're someone out there listening to this and you like thought it was the best thing ever, I don't want to take away that joy because we, everyone wants joy. And so there was a lot that I loved about it too. So I want to get that out of the way. But the first time I watched it, did not care for it. And then actually, surprisingly enough, the second time I watched it, I definitely found more to, that I really liked about it. And uh, before we even get into the details, the other caveat I want to say is that any sort of like first episode of a season is, I don't think, ever good, even for long-standing housewives, because we sort of have to catch up to where they are. We have to get our surroundings and our bearings. And I always think it like sort of starts to ramp up after a few episodes, no matter what the franchise is. And then even going further than that, the further, farther, the first episode ever of a housewives, I think, is a very tricky thing, because there's not really, especially with this group, I don't think they had much of a past with each other. So there wasn't really like that to to latch on to and don't let andy cohen lie to you because they did not i think that two of them knew each other maybe in like a previous life jenna lyons did not know these people she like maybe ran into one of the women at a few like fashion parties but these are not a quote group of friends that is a bold-faced lie just tell me about you helped cast you told were telling me over email or something you helped cast this you have to explain this story 
Okay, I'm going to do this quickly because I, I did, I, I, I'm, I don't want to say this too much or I don't want to repeat the story too often, but um, I am part of the ecosystem that helped drive the casting of Gen Alliance. Basically, before it was announced that Roni was going to split and all of this, like we just finished, this was 2021. I had just interviewed Luann for Hot Takes and Deep Dives. And I was saying to her in that interview, what the what New York really needs is a lesbian housewife or like a trans woman. I was just, you know, saying anything to like shake it up because we were on the heels of that, re- you know, ter- quite frankly, terrible 13th season. And Luann said, like, she agreed. She's like, yeah, like, I'm all for it. And so that kind of circulated in the news that like, oh, like Luann is down for like a lesbian trans house. You know, I'm just kind of like, you know, throw shit against the wall, see what sticks. That week... A friend of mine who hosts a podcast called Diking Out, it's like a lesbian, you know, culture podcast. They're doing a live episode, the guest, Jenna Lyons. I'm in the audience, and these are like my really good friends. And so they all know, you know, what's going on. And my friend says to Jenna, or Jenna was saying, because she had done that HBO Max show, Stylish, which is very much like the Jenna Lyons. It was like the, 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 the sort of j- Stylish with Jenna Lyons was the rich man's big shot with Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in plain language. I love when and, anytime that show comes up, big shot with Bethany. Like it was a crazy fever dream of a show that was horrendously terrible. <laughs> her peering out the window i think about it all the time and actually it's so weird because i was just thinking i haven't done my yearly rewatch of bethany ever after yet and mm. i think it's one of the most uh incredible rewatches across the these mm-hmm. all of these shows there's just like so many layers that just unravel like an onion over time by the end of that third season of bethany ever after you're just like oh my god it's like haunting anyway sorry go ahead you know, I interviewed Dr. Amador for therapy. I did too. Oh my God. Oh my We're God, like, did yes, you? Yes, I did. Back in the day, I did interview Dr. Amador, who got them we have, lost we at ha- sea. We have, the sa- we have the same sick mind. Oh, we went so deep on lost at sea. <laughs> I love that oh, we both so did that insane shit. Yeah. Anyway, so cut us. We're live in the room. And Jenna was saying that she would want to do like a, a reality version of the L word, which P.S. There already was three seasons of. And so my friend was smart enough to say, how about the Real Housewives of New York? And she said, oh, she's like, oh, well, like, I know Andy Cohen. And we're like, of course you do. So that airs. Cut to a few months later, the Roni split is announced. I have my two friends who hosted that podcast on and we kind of just to talk about the Roni split. And in that conversation, we talk about this whole thing with Jenna Lyons, how she said she would willingly go on Roni. And we basically made this really strong pitch for like why she would be a great housewife. I mean, that still remains to be seen, but I, I think I'm feeling that she is a good housewife so far. I clipped out that like that segment of us talking and like really pitching Jenna and I put it on YouTube and I put the like the thumbnail like the Real Housewives of New York with with like Jenna included and it, the t- the title was basically like Jenna Lyons wants to join Rody and then that circulated and I think 
I think Andy, I think it started to like Push things circulate in the bit. ether. And then I think she started to text Andy or they, the conversations. And so probably there, it and helped like her Eric warm will, up to the idea too a little bit, I would imagine. Yeah, because ultimately she has so many restrictions, by the way. She's in a full-blown relationship. She's not, not talking about show. that. Not on the show. And not only that, she's like saying, we're not talking about it. In the second mm-hmm. episode, my friend Brendan Davis, who's fantastic, uh, he has a Housewives podcast, Come Through Queen, oh, right. which we love I yeah. would, would love them. Um, he's actually seen the first three episodes. I was at his birthday this weekend, and he said that already in episode two, they're in the Hamptons. So this is a good thing, that they're like following the prototype. I worry about Jenna Lyons, though, because (laughs) I worry about her wanting to open up. Who I understand. Look, if I was going on reality TV, I I don't if I had children or something, I might be like, I don't want my kids on there. I don't want my significant on there. I would be like that. I get that. But I don't want that for my reality stars. And so I worry that's going to be the place we're in with Jenna going forward. What was the vibe? What sort of her this is maybe an inappropriate question, but like what's her sort of reputation within the lesbian community or like what I didn't really know much about her. So what so what's interesting is that she's not really in the lesbian community. Okay. She just kind of like does her own thing. Like okay. she's very much like she was married for many, many years. Like she had, they have this 15 year old kid and then she was outed by the New York Post, like literally like at work. They called her at, they called J. Crew while she was still there saying, we have photos of you with this woman. I think her marriage is already over. She started seeing this woman and they were like, if you don't come out with this, like we're going to print. And she was like, just print it. Oh, interesting. And so I don't think she's in. She's not in the gay community. I know here's like spoiler alert, like much later in the season, they go to Henrietta Hudson, which is like a lesbian. It's like a cubby hole, you know, and the whole thing is like getting Jenna to like flirt with girls, which makes no sense because she's in a long, she has a girlfriend. Okay. Okay. By this point. So she's hiding the girlfriend from the show. Or we'll, uh, that'll be remain to be seen. We we need to keep seeing. We need to keep seeing. I want to talk about the quirkiness. This was the thing that I I felt like I most wanted to kind of voice uh, when I was trying to think of how I felt about this episode. And the whole first premiere Mm -hmm. is about this like cheese plate, this charcuterie thing. And the issue that I took with that, and this is me being nitpicky, again, just going back to, we know the first episode is going to be tough to get to know. And and I think there is this pressure now. Of course, we're so in the era of Scandaval and these court cases and stuff. We want something, right? We want some juice, some drama. We, we want an arrest in episode one. Right. The first episode of The Real Houses in New York, the original iteration, it didn't really give us much. We were just sort of like meeting these people. So if you go, if you go back to see, I always tell people, like people who haven't watched The Housewives with Roni, I always say start at season seven. Oh, because it's when it's when Bethany comes How back. You, and it's I don't dr- feel that way. <laughs> really? I think season. Wait, let me get my like let me get, But go ahead, keep going. Let me get my yeah, pitch. Yeah. Let me get my pitch for season seven. It's when Bethany first comes back, and it's Dorinda's first season. So it is like a rebirth in a way. I feel like if you were to start at the beginning, it's like too slow. Yeah. And season three, you, you're like, why am I invested in Bethany and Jill? Mm. You haven't seen. So I feel like if somebody were to start at season seven and watch the five preceding, you know, watch the five uh, succeeding seasons, I feel like, okay, now you can go back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. 
That makes you sense. feel like somebody can start at season three and understand what's I'm going on? I'm the type of person who always has started season one. I know those first seasons can be boring, but I think it gives context to the whole thing. And so mm. I don't think a season one of most of these shows are very good. I, I thought Salt Lake City did a really good first season, but it was a little bit of an anomaly to me. Um, but otherwise, I don't think if I look back at some of the uh, early seasons, I, but I still think people should kind of go to get contacts, meet the players. And that's how I feel like we're doing with this reboot is like trying to get to know the players a little bit. And then I think by season, I guess it'll be 15, 16, hopefully we'll have something and they'll get rid of the kind of boringness. But but so the quirky thing, though, that I so I think there is this pressure for on the production side to have something for the first episode. So they made this cheese charcuterie fight and they positioned it as kind of like, look at a quirky little petty fight about nonsense. Like that's funny to the audience, but I don't feel like any of the cast thought it was funny. So that was like my main problem. So if I look at something like the real houses of orange County, when they had like Heather getting mad about that woman eating the bow on her cake, that to me feels like a similar type of, tone of what they were going for but i think that was more natural and i think that was just following heather's oversized reaction which might have been acting a little bit that she got so mad about the bow on the cake but it still was funny i think as an audience and the editors kind of leaned into that or mm-hmm. if i look at salt lake city their very first episode had this quirky thing about smelling like hospital right mary cosby yes. said and but that, to me, was the cast organically having these quirky moments. Whereas with the charcuterie thing, I felt like they had nothing, and so they had to edit into something. And it was like they were using editing and producing tricks to make it seem like, oh, this is a funny, quirky fight. But wasn't it revealed later that she made that up? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was like a little bit on... It was like nothingness. I felt like they were all just sort of grasping at straws. Even the women, I think, were like, oh, we need something... I think that was an event. I think that was a night that was filmed with who was the woman? Oh, yeah, who there was, was fired? another. There was another cast member that was. Or le- oh, okay. Her name is uh, Lizzie Savetsky. So somebody when they came out on stage at BravoCon, there it was this cast and this other woman, and she wound up being fired. Like um, they started filming. So what we're seeing now, they've already been filming for a month because this other woman had been filming with them, but she said some bigoted remark to another cast member and then she wound up they wanted that the production wanted her to kind of like explain herself she wound up doubling down and she was fired so i think the whole cheese thing which i agree with you is i don't want to watch things like this on my tell this is boring i'm fine if it's organic like or if it if it just sort of happened i don't know i just felt like they it was all done in post i felt like that whole thing was post See, I got the vibe. It was it was filmed, but it was filmed with this woman, so they oh. couldn't use it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think they should have just cut the whole thing. To me, in terms of like quirkiness, they could have. They well, I guess they didn't have enough for the first episode. To me, the fight about suggesting they go to catch yes, the restaurant. Yes. This to me is what the Real Housewives of New York mm-hmm. is about. I loved that. This yeah. this is so New York, so realistic. I have had this very conversation with friends. I'm not going there. And I've been the person, no, let's not go. Let's go someplace else. And I want to mention they they edit out the catch. So we don't know that. But they've come out and said, I think uh, some of the housewives, I, th- I saw maybe um, 
Jessel said that it was catch on Instagram or something. It's been, so it's been, it's confirmed. been confirmed. Yeah. And like catch, I mean, there's a, there isn't there a catch in LA now? There is. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with catch is it's a tourist trap. It's a tourist trap in the meatpacking district. Like if you if you're thinking of like sex in the city, like this is the area that Samantha eventually moved to. So like that's like the if you can kind of, you know, picture like Hobblestone Street, it's just a tourist trap. And for them to say that they'd rather go to the Olive Garden, mm, I mean, that's a no. Mm-hmm. But I this was so New York. This felt like something that like Bethany would mm-hmm. pull. And I so I loved and I love the blurring of the name, and I don't know if that was for legal reasons. I'm assuming, but the that was funny to me, and also I like the way that that also tell that's something that's only New York specific, right? Like that's the kind of fight or the kind of feud that we're going to get there, and it's funny and yeah. silly and petty, and yeah, I I thought that was perfect, and to me, yeah, that, I would almost wish that would have been the the thing of the episode instead of the charcuterie thing it just didn't land with me and maybe it landed for other people but i just thought it was silly and stupid and um, not silly in a fun way can we talk speaking of samantha jones can we talk about that tony danza was at the roni <gasps> premiere to promote che pasa oh just i know what was going on tony danza what were you at the premiere party for the real housewives season no bravo doesn't know i'm alive okay Okay. Well, Tony Danza, I did see photos, so they know Tony <laughs> yeah. Danza's alive. And yeah, there's so many like weird and so, crossovers. Wait, and also was Eve, Eve Plum was there. Jan, Jan from Brady. the original Brady Bunch. Jan Brady was there. Wild. And your favorite Bravo influencers that are not Danny and myself. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, Jan Brady. What was Jan Brady doing there? Like, that was wild. Girl. Does she have a connection to somebody? Like, why was Eve Plum at the Real Houses New York premiere party? I don't understand. Can you imagine them just like trying to invite people and they're like, well, these people are in town. (laughs) Wait, so I want to talk about another thing that I really did love about the episode. And this might also be controversial, but I loved Bryn. And I'm curious what your take is, because I do think she's a divisive person, but I felt like she had the quirkiness. The whole show starts off with a little line about she calls someone a whore or something like she and I. I am attracted to like her outspokenness. I could see other people feeling like she's just doing it for camera. I understand that. I think she is kind of playing things up and trying to have kind of memeable moments and stuff like that. But she worked for me and in a way that I, I wasn't expecting. I really liked her word on the street, like from people who have been my friends who were at the Henrietta Hudson filming, like she showed up in like a pajama situation to that. She's messy. Like she Mm -hmm. she's arriving as a fully formed housewife in a way that Jenna Lyons is very much just being authentically herself. Jenna Lyons isn't going to shit herself on the jitney the way Sonia is. Like, that's not going to happen. You're not going to get that from... Like, Jenna, to me, is... Okay, let me ask you this. Who is... Okay, so it sounds like Bryn is popping for you. Who else is jumping off the page Uh, for you? She was the main... She was the only one. (laughs) No, Bryn, I really did like... I'm interested in Jenna Lyons. Like, I keep... I want to keep watching and getting to know her more. Like, I, I don't know that she really, like, gave me a specific moment that jumped out, but I'm really, like, I need to get to know her. Same with Uba, where I feel like... I want to know more about Uba because especially I think in the premiere, we didn't really get much Uba. And so I'd like to know more about her. I mean, I'd say that that's the thing really with all of them is like, I'm, I'm interested to get to know them a little bit better so that I can judge in a few episodes, like how they fit in. But the only one that really like jumped to me was Bryn. I think also Aaron, 
arrives, like you said, as a fully formed housewife. Like there was a moment in the at the end of the episode where she pulls Bryn aside. And of course, I think probably a producer told her, why don't you two have a separate conversation about this? Uh, But it just felt so like 10 seasons in of like, can I pull you aside for this conversation? And I just, oh, she's fully that already. Aaron jumped off the page for me. Sai jumped off the page for me. Like, Sai is fun. So I really like that. And I liked Brid. Uba, honestly, I don't know anything about her. Yeah, they like, they give didn't much. give, they didn't give anything. And there was another one who they didn't really, maybe Jessel. Jessel. They, they didn't really delve into her. I felt like the only ones where you really got a sense of who the person was, was Aaron and Jenna yeah, Lyons. Yeah. Yeah. Because Bryn, even though she popped for me, I don't know that I know exactly who she is yet. She's sort of a smart ass and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Erin gave me, I mean, I have to look up where she's from. Okay, I'm from Long Island. Listen, I'm a Long Island Jew. I was getting Long Island Jew vibes from her. Like, this is why I'm so, feel so connected to uh, Jill Zarin mm. or even Bethany. They, they, these people are like, Bethany grew up in like Queens. How, how I was New York getting, do they all feel to you? Like, as a whole, how New York do they feel? Does. Aaron felt. Yeah. Aaron feels very New York. Um, I don't know where Jenna Lyons is. From. I mean, Jenna Lyons has lived in New yeah. York forever. I mean, Jenna Lyons has been to the Met Ball. Like Jenna Lyons is like a New York businesswoman. The rest, I would. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd wonder when they. I worry about Cy being an influencer. I don't love that. I and I don't. I don't know if some people out there might have liked the um, Paris show that was canceled on Bravo. The girlfriends of Paris. Oh, the real girlfriends of Paris. But I just in general worry about influencer types. I, I don't know because well, that's the, that's know. the problem with that. Summer House. That's yeah. the problem with Summer House. Yeah. Oh my God! Did you see that they cast these two new frat boys? No. Are they influencers on Summer House? Are they new? No, but they're just like two straight like bros. Uh, like he, two new ones. Here's the problem. They can yeah. never get that casting. Right. I know. I, Summer House, the original iteration, is in a rough spot right now, I think. And do you sort of miss an older 60 plus woman, which if we're mm. not going to get now? They rebooted it. And of course, the original Real Houses in New York, they weren't that age when they started. But in my head, I just always like like a over 60. Who is giving you center apple energy? Um, I think Bryn so far. Mm yeah, mm-hmm. but I but I worry about Bryn being like flaming out a little bit because if she goes so hard to kind of be the that, it, she could fizzle out over time or she could be leaning in too far or, or you know, I think we can see the audiences can see through the bullshit. so it's it's fun for me right now and and I like that energy. But I think that could be the problem if I'm looking forward with Bryn is like that could be an issue. Maybe it's not. Jessel's the one who puked at the premiere. Oh, yeah. Because she had a stomach But bug. I kind of thought, yeah, she puked at the premiere, and there was this page six article about her doing it because she had the stomach bug. And a lot of people were like, oh, Roni's back because people were saying <laughs> no, it's like no, Sonia Trinidad. No, it's got to be from those from damn alcohol. toddlers. Yeah. It's got to be because of those damn toddlers she's got. Like, they're, they're walking Petri dishes. I so I feel Little kids, bad. like, people are sick all the time. Okay, how did you feel about this show is now overrun with children? I think one of the other issues is that it's back to back with Crappy Lake. And that's both a blessing and a curse because in my head, it's impossible for me to not compare the two. And I had watched Crappy Lake with alongside the Real Houses of New York. So I had watched them like they're airing right now. But I think that's a little bit of the worry is that 
uh, it's easy to compare. And I got to recalibrate my brain to like not compare to Sonia and Luann because those are just different women. Those are different uh, people. And so those are quirk, quirks that we've come to love over a hundred years on the show. And so, yeah. Did I answer your question? Can we talk? Can we talk? Uh, I don't remember the question. I'm not used to this, oh, it was, Jess. It, I'm not used to having another <laughs> podcaster on asking me questions. This is wild. I like it. Can, can we talk about the real estate porn? Yes. I Yeah. And, and specifically Jenna Lyon's house, which I loved. And it, what was her name? Erin had like kind of shaded it. She's like, who this, the resale value on this house isn't great because it's set up weird. And there's like a really let big me t- room. Let me, t- let me tell you something about New York real estate. Apartments are funky here. Even the $5 million ones, there's always something strange. If you think back to what's interesting is both Jenna and Bethany live on, well, Bethany's now gone, but they're both on Mercer. So like what you're looking at, Jenna Lyon's apartment is two and a half blocks from the apartment that the bulk of the Carol and Bethany friendship took place in. Uh, wow. If you, I just got chills. Did it give you yeah, chills? It gave me chills. That friendship Good. dissolution was wild. Mm. Wait, how Mm-mm. much do you think Who, Jenna's house or apartment would rent for? Do we have or or re- own? Oh, would or rent own, for? Or own? I should. Oh, ask. well, you can find out. I think she bought it for. I can do a quick search here and find. I found the floor plan earlier. Oh, interesting. Today, Who do you I was think really is, digging. Is she's the richest, then, right? Do you think she's the richest? Yeah, oh, for sure. For okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you think the others are genuinely rich? Those apartments are millions yeah and even like a two million dollar apartment in new york city is a still a dump like that's the thing about new york oh this is what i was going to say about bethany's apartment so aaron critiquing the flow of jenna's apartment bethany's apartment like you you know how she had that long hallway you you open the door into Bethany's apartment. I cannot reveal how I know the details of this. You open the door to Bethany's apartment, and there's a long, skinny hallway. That's where she had that like skinny girl red skinny couch. Girl hallway. Mm-hmm. Right off the front door was Bethany's bedroom. The windows in that bedroom, you know, like in a basement, really like when you're growing mm-hmm. up, like as a kid, you know how the base the the windows are really high up, and they're like that high they're like these really like small windows and looking Those out are at the like win- cinder blocks with like a You're touch of at- light yes that was bethany's apartment and it looked out over a footlocker was that the was that on- the most recent bethany apartment not the not original the, it was the the one where with like the nutcracker okay, okay. <laughs> like when bethany came back you know how she was homeless and then eventually she got an apartment? That one. <laughs> I hate you so much because I love that you said the nutcracker, but the fact that we all just know like, oh, the nutcracker. <laughs> when yeah. she lost But that apartment, nutcracker. that apartment sold for like $5 million. It's a two bedroom with cinder block windows. Yeah. Yeah, so the apartments, I mean, so, I'm not so familiar with like living in New York. I'm in California and it's just completely different. The real estate market's completely different and it's expensive here, but in yeah. New York, it's like just completely different. That's why people always complain that like, oh, the apartments on Roni aren't glam. It's like, yeah, what what the women on Atlanta are paying for there, mm. that is just the function of New York City that you can have a, a one or two million dollar apartment. You're still living in a one bedroom and there's only so much you can dress it up and it's still 
small. Like no matter, it's insane. The real estate here. By the way, I love that the whole show opened with Sai at her apartment because she's in Brooklyn, and I just thought it was like mm. a little bit of a a tip of the hat to Alex McCord, a little bit because <laughs> back in the day, Alex McCord, longtime viewers remember she was in Brooklyn. Uh, she, well, while Jill was a mean girl and Brooklyn, they all looked down on the fact that she lived in Brooklyn. And now we're opening this reboot with the glamorous Brooklyn uh, apartment of Cy. I like that. Cy said one of the most relatable things. This is one of the few times ever I've ever really related to something a housewife has said, which is that she grew up walking the streets of Brooklyn or walking the streets of the West Village, when you walk around these neighborhoods, you do tend to just like look up at these brownstones and you can see right into them. You can see what people are watching on TV or cooking for dinner. So that, and you often think like, oh, what would it be like to live? Like I've had that exact conversation. And so I really related to that. That's the absurdity factor of like, these brownstones are so expensive and yet you have no private. If you truly want privacy, you would need shades down at all times. Otherwise, people are looking straight in. I love that uh, so. that chair that was in Jenna's closet that they, it wasn't a chair. Like they fell through it. <laughs> this is so stupid. Wait, there was something I was going to say. Uh, oh, the thing that I worry, just because we were talking about Sai and how she's an influencer. And there was a moment later in the episode mm. where I noticed she had her cell phone in her hand. And I think that worried me a little bit because, and I know we all carry our cell phones in our hands. But an influencer, if you know kind of influencer people who always have their phone in their hand, always are ready to take a photo of the food, of what's going on. And I I suppose that's what worries me in terms of the engagement with the other women, because you're always going to be thinking of what is going, what should you be influenced, which content should you be gathering? And it's like, I want the producers to gather the content, not her. but, But they were smart enough to use those phones and document the fact that they went to that other restaurant. That is them mm, producing. Mm, so you're right. Yeah, that is good. We got to take a quick break here. We'll be back with so much more with Jess talking about the real house slice of New York. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, my listeners can use code EVERYTHINGICONIC, all together one word, at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. This episode is sponsored by Los Angeles Tourism. 
Now, y'all know I'm from the Midwest, but I've lived in California for so long, and I truly do love it here in LA. There's so much to do. My parents were just in town and said the same thing because we always have something to do when they visit. There's so much good food and drink here. There's lots of pop-ups, rooftop bars, year-round alfresco dining. I love being able to eat outside here all the time, but they really have so many different food options uh, that you can get all the time. Tons of great shopping and fashion. Uh, they just opened up a new shopping center right across the street from where we live. And it's just fantastic to be able to walk there. I love that. I love having the sun. I love the attractions, the studios, the lifestyle. You get all the Hollywood pop culture stuff that I certainly love so much. Uh, and also, you just get the wonderful weather. It's really a fantastic place. So I want to encourage you all to head to discoverla.com. Again, need more ideas for your next visit? Just head to discoverla.com. Ever since I saw Clueless, I wanted to have the most amazing wardrobe, and that includes all of the clothes inside the wardrobe closet, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Quince. Now, Quince has you covered with truly timeless pieces that never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all sorts of must-haves. I'm talking uh, Mongolian cashmere crewneck sweaters from $50. I have a blue cashmere crewneck sweater I got from them that I get so many compliments on all the time. I love it. Plus, iconic 100% leather jackets and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings all over to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Love that. Makes you feel good about shopping with Quince. Uh, again, I've gotten a lot of stuff there. Just uh, good quality pieces and a lot of different options if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. So indulge in the affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash iconic. Uh, okay, wait, mm-hmm. Jessel, we didn't really talk about, she's a publicist. Again, she threw up at the premiere. Did Jessel work for you in terms of the rest of, they introduced us to her mother too, which I think they're presenting oh, her mother as like yeah. a, a supporting character for Jessel, which could go one of multiple ways. It could be because they, they see the value in the mother because she's a quirky individual and we need some of these side characters, or it could be, we need something, we need a, you know, something else for Jess. Listen, she's got these kids. That's an automatic strike for me. For me, Bryn wins for not having any children and Jenna wins for her child being 15 and off camera. Are we going to get any of Jenna Lyons kid? They should have no. photo, but we're not getting anything. That was, Do you know anything about her situation with the kid? I don't know. I haven't just done that, research on her. Just that she, what she said on the show, that she has shared custody with the hus- with the ex-husband. Did people really like her show on HBO Max, Stylish? Like, I don't remember anyone really, I didn't watch it, but I don't remember people really liking it. I watched it because I'm gay. Yeah. Yeah. And like into Jenna Lyons. Yeah. So. I was probably re-watching Bethany Ever After at the time. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's and it sucks that both of those shows are now pulled from HBO Max, which I is know. not even I know. now. It's, it's just wait. The best I have to tell you this. I was listening to Sarah Jessica Parker on Howard Stern, and at the end of the interview, he goes, he goes watching just like that on Max, and he goes, how do you, 
He goes, are you happy they took away HBO from the, from the name? And she's like, yeah, I'm thrilled. <laughs> she's not thrilled. <laughs> I just love that he was like acknowledging the fact that like – yeah, they changed it. It doesn't make so, any sense. They just premiered the Project Greenlight, which I love that show. The original Project Greenlight, they just came out with a new season. Issa Rae is the one sort of shepherding this whole thing. But they had so much signage because the show Project Greenlight's about making a movie. And so there's yeah. like, they're showing carpets at certain times and, and signage and it, all of it said HBO Max. And I was like, oh man, they changed everything now. And I don't know. It's different. It's a great show though. I, I, I thought it was great. Um, okay, so Jenna hosted a, a clothing theme night. She said when she worked at J. Crew, she used to do a specific color. So I think it was like metallics, khaki, and something else she told all the gals to wear. And they mostly showed up in all black, which I would have done too. I like that about having a theme party, the idea of just having a color instead of, I hate when I have to do like a full-blown costume. How do you feel about costume parties? I, only on Halloween, mm-hmm. Don't ask me to dress up for your birthday. Uh, I'm not your puppet. No. I did throw a, a New Year's party once and like we made it like black and gold, but that's easy. I th- also think there's too much pressure when you're even hosting a costume party because then you're so stressed. You not only have to host a party, but then you also are thinking the whole time, like, are people going to show up in the fucking costume? Because yeah, most a lot of people don't show up in a costume. Yeah. I felt like Jenna's apartment, I, I, I mean... I can't wait to see more of this. I mean, she's actually done like an architectural digest. I've done like deep dives on her apartment in in the past. And they, her apartment, I felt was the only one that wasn't totally sterile. Mm. Like, I love that it had personality and that, like it had color. And it like, it, I just felt that it was really, yeah, it felt lived in. Right. The others were just like white, white, white. Did you like you know? Jenna's shoe closet? She said she had 380 pairs of shoes, give or take. She got rid of some. But uh, yeah, I like the shoe closet. Yeah, I love that she gave the shoe closet the window instead of her bedroom. Uh, what did you uh, make? So they play a game at the end of the episode and they start talking about sex, which I also have to point out there was like a Heinz bean. <laughs> did you what? notice this? What? <laughs> there was a can of beans on the table like next to Jenna during this scene at the end. And no one explained it. And I loved it, but also like, what the fuck was going on? Just like a can of beans, just amongst, she had all that gorgeous food. She had the fondue, she had the charcuterie at Jenna Lyons apartment. And then it was just one can of beans that they was never explained. Hmm. We need one in maybe next week's episode. You know how they do like the never before scene footage. We need need someone to explain the beans, which I also have to say that I miss going back to those old school episodes of housewives. I do miss and I wish Bravo would bring back that that one scene they used to do around 40 minutes into the episode that had nothing to do with the rest of the episodes, the quirky, weird scene of just people at home doing nonsense. I missed that. Okay, wait. Speak. I'm so glad you brought this up. Otherwise, I may have actually forgot. I'm about to turn this into a plug for my own shit. Okay, please. But this is related to Roni. Okay. One, one of those is Bethany going to Fire Island. <gasps> yes. Yes. Where she dance. Do Does you she remember- dance or something? Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. It's I posted it on my, on my Instagram like years ago. And so I need to like repost, yeah, repost it. it. And it's Bethany going to, it's like a two minute interstitial where it's Bethany going to the pines. You see her on the ferry and the whole time she's just like, they're gay. They're gay. It's as if she's like never seen gay people before. <laughs> and it sh- if you go, they used to have, when Roni was living on Hulu, it would like live there it, and in some random fucking episode. And so thank you for evoking that 
for a plug. They need to bring it back. Fire, yeah, everyone's fire gonna, <laughs> yeah, everyone listen to your podcast about Fire Island and bring those back. I would like to see it. Yes. I also think it gives us insight into these people's lives because that was what I also felt was missing from this episode. It's like, they just sort of threw us into the group. And part of that might have been circumstance with having to uh, refilm or reshoot. And you had mentioned somebody was let go. I, was she let go yeah. or was she? I think she was fired. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really follow much of that, but um, so maybe that was like a, a, a circumstance of like getting to know these women, but they just sort of threw us in and I, I might've been slow, but I might've liked being able to touch down in all of their homes solo before we got them all together. Or at least give us more. I, I felt they did a really good job through Jenna herself, through confessionals, and also having the other women describe Jenna. You got a sense of her soul. Like even that little scene where it was a playoff of like the sex stuff. But when she was talking about how I don't have sex with men and they flash into her confessional, her saying like with two women, you know how it works and like you like working together. Like she had... There was something, her actual authentic self was shining through the screen. It was, I noticed it because it's usually so absent Mm. in these housewives shows where you felt her true essence and it was like a romantic something and... It was it I it, it was noticeable. Erin was shading me. Jenna in her confessional about like liking or not liking dill and she likes olives but not black olives. It was like this is not it was like nonsense. <laughs> you know she like, was like I liked looking how for they described Yeah. Like I liked how they described her as being moody. Like you're getting these characteristics through the other people whereas like I have no idea what like Jessel's personality is. Right. Uh, so do you worry about oh. they were playing this game, which I think that's another producer thing of like, we need something to happen. So like, let's play this game. Uh, those are the kind of moments when I, I wonder if I'm like looking into it too much as like um, someone who analyzes this stuff like sports, like, right, we recap these shows. And so I'm worried, am I looking at that? Because I'm looking at it like, oh, the producers could tell it was boring. And I get the vibe and I could be totally off base. I get the vibe that sort of behind the scenes, they don't maybe think this is great. Okay, so here's what I'll say about that. I am a devoted listener. No, no. (laughs) I'm a devoted listener of Andy's radio show, Andy Cohen Live on Sirius. Like a month ago, he and he'll talk about when he like watches cuts of episodes. He said, oh, I just watched like five episodes of the new Roni. Like he was like in the middle of watch. So maybe he's like 10 episodes in. He goes, he could barely get the words out of his mouth. But he was basically like, it's it's different. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what he said, and I was like, "Oh God, it's shit." That's how I feel too, <laughs> Jess. Because I feel like every interview I see, that's the vibe of like it's just so different. Don't compare. Which those are important things. Like we don't want to compare to the other yeah. one. It's going to be a completely different show. But I just get the vibe, and maybe we're reading too much into it. But yeah, if you listen to interviews, you could usually tell when he's like so kind of over the moon about something. And he used to be that. I mean, I know Roni is really important, I think, to the to the mm-hmm. whole network because it's new, the network. They're mostly based in New York and it's a New York franchise. And so, um, but well, yeah, I get that vibe. Critically acc- it was, Roni was the most critically acclaimed of the franchises. Like, I felt like, I always felt like the most intelligent viewers Roni was the one mm-hmm. like Roni's the one that got me into 
housewives. Yeah. And, you know, Bethany, you know. And we should mention, too, that Roni had a soft reboot. I guess it was season five, I think it was. It was after they got rid of Cindy Barship and Kelly Bunsmo and Alex McCord. That was a soft reboot. And I remember at the time feeling similarly to how I'm feeling with this reboot of, like, they had Carol, Heather, and Aviva they brought in. And it felt like those first couple episodes, and if you go back and rewatch, it feels like it's a disconnect between them and the old guard of women. And and I remember just critically feeling similarly of like, oh, this isn't working. How do they ruin my show and all that kind of stuff? And so that gives me hope, I think, with this reboot of I ultimately grew to love Heather and Carol and Aviva and that era of Housewives before they brought Bethany back. And so there is a little bit of a precedent. Obviously, this reboot is much more diverse, which is fantastic. And uh, it's a completely different cast. Do you, how yeah. do you feel? How do you feel about the casting of the Roni legacy trip, like the the new whatever when they're going to? Oh, I Saint feel Bart, pretty I good about it. I think I I, I don't know. I I don't Kristen understand. Chris, I don't understand Kristen. My problem with Kristen, and it seems like what happened when she left the show was that she didn't want to talk about the relationship because her husband was in the news for all that Ashley Madison stuff. And so if she comes in there and like kind of explains a lot of that and gives us some of her that situation, like, great, I'll love her being back. But she didn't seemingly want to talk about that before when she was on the show. And so it's like, well, what did she give us otherwise? Like, she didn't really give us anything else. So I, I didn't really understand that. I would have preferred even Aviva, who's yeah. a little weirder, that we would have gotten something more. I didn't understand the Kristen. Same. All. But I don't even think Same they thing. understood. I, I think it was... Yeah. That was another issue I had with this whole rollout. I think they announced that too soon. They shouldn't have announced the Roni legacy unless they had the cast nailed down because, yeah, I was so ex- thrilled when they had initially announced that of like, oh, we get both. Like, what an embarrassment of riches. We're going to be getting the Roni that we loved for all these years. And then we're also going to be getting this new franchise with brand new people. Like, how thrilling was that? And then. I think a little bit of the air was taken out of the sales. And I I keep saying, I wonder what like the group techs are with the other franchises. Because here's the thing. If this works ratings-wise, I think they will do this to all of the franchises. It just depends. We haven't seen the ratings yet. But if kind of the vibe amongst fans and the ratings are really good, they're going to... They're going to recast Jersey and Atlanta and Orange County and all of these. I, I think. cannot believe that they brought back both Teresa and Melissa after all of this, after all of these months of saying, like, there's no way forward. There's no way forward. And yet. But I'm sort of skeptical about that because I don't know that I've seen it confirmed by Bravo that they're both coming back. Have you? Like, because I, I feel like there's I thought different... it was confirmed. Maybe it is I confirmed. Know. I don't know. But I'm shocked, too, because. Yeah, I just, I worry, the ratings were really good for Jersey, especially at the end. I think they went up towards the end of the reunion. Um, so, of course, that's encouraging, I think, to the network to like have the same cast back. But I do worry it'll feel stale, or if there's a stalemate between Teresa and Melissa, it, it's. I think it's going to feel tough. Can I just throw in this one other thing? Just quick, Can we quickly Please. drop into Beverly, yeah, Beverly Hills? Did you see? Do you do you, do you see or do you know that Erica Jane met with the victims yes. yesterday? Yes, she met with the victims of the of, of Bamboozle Jane. Met with Tommy Two Tones victims, and yes. they're doing a new documentary. The L.A. Times is doing a new like Housewife and the Hustler uh, documentary. Um, so it's going to be a while before that comes out, but it was filmed. She met with them for like forty five minutes, and. 
Wait, so they filmed for the documentary, like but not for yes. Beverly Hills Housewives? Correct. Huh. I'm curious about Beverly. <laughs> I worry about Beverly Hills Housewives. They just announced that they wrapped filming on Mauricio's new show on Netflix, and they also recently wrapped on Beverly Hills. And I'm like, I'm skeptical. Yeah. Maybe I'm being a conspiracy theorist, but I'm skeptical about the whole Kyle Richards news thing because, yeah, I worry about it. I don't buy you all don't that. You don't buy it, yeah. What about the, do you buy the relationship rumors with... The, what's her name? Morgan? Da- doubtful. Yeah. I'm sure they're fr- Although, who gets matching tattoos? I don't uh, you know. You know what I thought was the weirdest thing about that whole situation <laughs> was the Amazon Live they did together. Because that's okay. strange they, oh, they, to me. This is, this is where I landed with it. This is a strategic business move. Yeah. I, they, she probably invested in her music, mm-hmm. business in her whatever. She's probably an investor of some sort. And... Now they're in business together. Yeah, because these people, all the Bravo celebrities have been doing these Amazon lives now, and like Amazon hires them to push the Amazon merch. But I don't normally see them doing it together. Maybe there is a situation where they've done like a Craig and a Page one together, or like is people that make sense on these shows. But I thought it was so random that they had Morgan, who at least. I didn't really know Morgan, this woman, before no. this whole thing with Kyle. And I do like country music, so I'm not fully immersed in the country music world, but I, I know enough about country music that I was a little bit surprised because I didn't know who this was. And so then to see her popping up on Kyle's like Amazon Live promos, when Kyle, there's so many other people that I would more naturally put Kyle with. And the way those business deals work, it's weird to me because they I would have assumed they would have had to negotiate together or they would have had to mm. somehow work together to figure out payment because when it, getting hired for an influencer they're going through one agent so like are they rep by the same agent or did Kyle I'm sure. did Kyle yes. say oh you can use my agent to do this deal like there's just too many questions no, about behind this, that this is all it's kind of like when you see pink all of a sudden has Eminem doing a feature on one of her songs it's because they're on the same label they have the same, same manager, manager and same management someone. wants their wants their clients to work together mm-hmm. I'm fishy about mm-hmm. it all. I'm fishy. But I- I'm excited to watch it. I, again, feel worried that it's going to be one of those situations where it's like they didn't really have much for Beverly Hills. And and the thing, yeah. putting my behind-the-scenes cap on, we've read that they had so many housewives back. And I don't remember when this was said or who exactly it was said by. I think it was said by Andy, maybe in on Watch What Happens Live or something, but I don't want to say specifically where or when this was said. But I remember... People have said in the past that uh, usually when they bring back people, they sort of allege, like with Brandy Glanville, for instance, it's like the season's going bad, we'll bring in Brandy to kind of spice things up. And so we do know over the course of last season's filming, they brought back a lot of different people. They brought back Denise in some capacity. They brought back um, different people for pop-ins. I think Camille filmed. And so I always get skeptical because I'm thinking of when I've I think heard Kim that. Rich- Kim, didn't Kim Richards Kim Richards filmed. filmed. And have I, am I making that up? I know I didn't hear it in my dreams, but I, I feel like production or behind the scenes, they've said, well, if the season's not working, we'll bring in someone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think like, yeah. well, that worries me when they bring in people. And I love to see people back. But then when this Kyle stuff came out after they were wrapped filming, knowing that they had so many people back, I'm like, well, did she really give enough during the season? I don't know. Jesse, this is why we're all, I get like a... What's the tinfoil hat, people? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Um, okay. 
<laughs> Back to the Real Houses of New York. Any other thoughts that you had regarding the first episode of the season? Oh, I do have I something would... I want to say. I'm sorry, I just asked okay. you a question. No, no, you go, go first. ahead. I, I think I think my thoughts are dry at this point. I mean, let's see. I liked. Oh, they're saying that they were alluding. They were sort of inferring that Catch was like so 2005. Catch opened in 2011. Yeah, see, the, I don't know what the vibe is with Catch in New York. The one here, I when it's it opened, it was like such a... The one here, at least, when it opened, which wasn't that long ago, I don't think the LA one opened, but it was like a, a kind of cool place to be. No, it definitely was a cool place to be, but then it turned yeah. into a tourist trap. Yeah. Do you like a chain restaurant? Like it's, it's, it's very bridge and tunnel. Do I like a chain restaurant? Because like, uh, let me tell you define chain, define chain restaurant. I'm talking about the Margaritaville nachos specifically because <laughs> mm, they're fantastic. Mm, mm. And sometimes I would love to go to Fridays right yeah, now. Sometimes you just want, yeah, I'm from Ohio. Sometimes I just want that fucking Applebee's sampler. You know what? I love a Cracker Barrel. Oh, interesting. You know, Cracker Barrel. I don't know if they still do this, but they used to make the burgers on a potato bun and I loved it. The bun at the Cracker Barrel Burger when I was a kid was it. Warm biscuits at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> I want to sit in that rocking chair like, out front. Pick up a Reba McIntyre CD on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How you go through like an antique store to get to the <laughs> restaurant. That's fun. It's <laughs> like Reba McIntyre for Dillard's um, in the Cracker Barrel. Um, but like, no, is catch a Cracker Barrel? No. No, no. Do I still want to go there? No. No. I don't know. And I've never had the food at Catch, so I don't know if the food is good or anything. I haven't been there. Um, I, I think I like walked through, met someone there, because the one in West Hollywood is sort of by all like the Abbey and the gay bar. So I feel like I m- mm. met someone at the bar there once, and then we went out, or a group of friends. Um, okay, so the last thing I really want to mention is Bryn's tagline, which this also might be why I loved her. And I think this is probably dividing people a little bit because it leans into the craziness of Housewives. But she says, I love to laugh, but make me mad, and I'll date your dad. <laughs> well, yeah, where's that going? <laughs> Obviously, like... I think they showed in the coming attractions that maybe she's flirting with someone's dad or something, but it's such an insane tagline. Uh, I hate to, I know I keep bringing up Jenna Lyons, but it's because like, she's why I'm kind of watching this at this point. Her tagline is bottom of the barrel. What is it? It was very, it was, it almost seemed like um, a one they didn't use for Tinsley. Oh. It was like my at my eyelashes may be fake but I'm real. Like it was something cuz she has a line of lashes. I'm like we can't do better than like a Tinsley knockoff. Wait, what was Like you're Jenna fucking lion. What was Tinsley's lash tagline? She had a lash tagline. Or wasn't it like if you're checking out my mugshot like my that lashes was her first or one. something? <laughs> no, there was, there was the one that everybody used to imitate. <laughs> I miss Oh, Tinsley. God, where is she? Where is Tinsley. she? You know, I recently was thinking about her, and I looked on Instagram. She hasn't posted in, like, years. I wish they brought... I would have liked some sort of bridge to the old group. So, like, I would have loved Tinsley... To be, I think she would have fit in well with this group. Leah Leah would have fit with this group. Yeah, like I, I would have liked some, even if it wasn't a full time, like I wish somehow we we bridged the gap in the first episode with like a group event or mm-hmm. something like that. I, I think it would have been so fun to have maybe the old cast. This might have been too difficult to do and maybe the old cast wouldn't have wanted to do it, but it would have been so great to like 
do a Vanderpump Rules situation where we're at a party with this group and we see one of them leave or something to go with another group. I mean, this would be so produced and it would be too much. But you, like, you you somehow, want like the, <laughs> I want it to like flow. you want you want the Bever that you want the Beverly Hills into Vanderpump and then the Vanderpump into Summer House, like the seamless transition. Well, I hate how they do this with these shows where we're not acknowledging that it's a show. Sometimes they're breaking the fourth wall a little bit, but particularly in these first episodes, it's like I want to I want to hear them talk about like this is a reboot or i would have loved if they filmed a whole month with that other person i would have loved them to talk about it like or or somehow acknowledge it and i get frustrated sometimes because they will do a little fourth wall breaking but they don't go in as hard as some i want them to sometimes and so i would like to us acknowledge like yeah we recasted this recast this whole show and it's completely rebooted like let's discuss it. And I think that's in the pre-season interviews that the cast has been doing with different outlets. The thing that most people are most interested in is like, who reached out? Did any, did Ramona's mm. shade you at a party? Did Dorinda DM you? Like what were the things? That's what we're also interested in. So it would have been nice to get like a little bit of a bridge. It doesn't have to be huge. It could have just been some acknowledgement. It, it's I, I, like Vanderpump rules that one season when they fired all those people, I'm like, why are we not acknowledging this? It's crazy. Or on um, Atlanta, it was cracking me up this past week when Sheree was inviting everyone. I get, I get, did they go to Portugal? I forget what their cast trip is. But she's like, yeah, my healing person, she kept saying my healing person, uh, told me <laughs> that I should go and get invite the girls together and do this healing trip. And I was like, at this point, at so many years in, can't we just say, like, this is our cast trip? Like, when are we going to give up that facade? Yeah. We know. Even the even the very basic, the people who don't watch religiously like us and take notes, like they know they're doing a cast trip. Yeah, it's very obvious. Uh, Jess, any other final thoughts before I um, let you go? I think I got everything in. I, the fashions were good. I liked that they were accidentally connected with them jackets at the end. That was cracking me up. But, yes. but I would have been fucking pissed if somebody was in my closet trying on clothes. I'd have been yeah, knee leaks on them. Like, do you remember how knee got mad? Like, that would have been me. I don't like. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want people I, doing that. I liked how. Oh yeah, when Nini like kicked the producers out. Yeah, because they were filming in her closet. I would have been the same. Yeah, I would have. I don't know if I would have been the exact same way, but I would have been pissed if people were filming in my closet. Yeah. With Roni, again, I say that it's just impossible to know after one episode because it's so little and none you of them are good at this time. The, no, you have to watch the full season and then you assess was the, like, how do we do Yeah. It? And I, I, so we'll see at the end of the season how this works or how this plays, but I'm excited to like get to know them more. But I, I, nothing really like, I didn't watch this and was like, oh, this is so good or, or and I, to me, all the, it was just all like, the Twitter, all the Twitter and thread gays, they think it's great. But do they you feel it. like the, I don't? Did it make you want to tune in, or like I, I don't? There no. wasn't really much that I was like, oh, that that makes me want to tune in next week, or it was like not really. All the good stuff to me it was like fine. It was fine. Yeah, honestly, the honest truth, the only draw for me is Jenna Lyons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only draw draw for me rather, uh, but that's enough. Like I'll keep watching it. Yeah. I'm curious to see how long she does it. Like, I'm curious if she'll do they'll she'll probably do another season. And like, I don't know how long she's going. I just don't think she wants to be there. Even when I'm watching interviews, have you watched any of like behind the, the interviews? Uh, Andy yeah. and Jenna were on the Today Show together. The, the Today Show. Oh my god. 
I, and it, just seeing it Jenna, was like she was being held at gunpoint. Yes, I like that. That's the vibe I get. It's like I don't think she wants to do it or be doing any of these things. She's doing it for press, and and that's a job, and it is a job. She's a she's a reserved, normal person. She's not made for reality TV. Yeah. Right. But she is inherently very interesting. Are you liking Crappy Lake? Are you watching it? Yeah, I do like it a lot. Silly. Yeah, it's silly. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, Jess, uh, we have to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to ask you about uh, your podcast. So uh, stay tuned. Oh, my God. And Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall, who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Icons, I'm sure I've mentioned this many a time on the show, but I use DoorDash all the time, and I'm sure so many of you are right there with me. When you need a meal, you hop on DoorDash. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about DoorDash's Dash Pass. It's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save lots of money, lots of time with every one of your DoorDash orders. So it's really a big saver with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on your eligible orders. Dash Pass makes it super easy to save on restaurants or retail items, groceries, all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Because I don't just get my meals. I also get a lot of groceries. You can get, again, retail items, local stuff. Dash Pass, too, pays for itself in just two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. So get more from your delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code ICONIC24. That's ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, use code ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. We're back, Jess. Okay, so tell me about your podcast, Finding Fire Island. You also host Hot Takes and Deep Dives, which I'm sure I've said this to you before, but I think you're one of the best interviewers. You're so good. And so I always I love, love when you have a guest on hot takes and deep dives that, cause I just know you're going to get to like the meat of like what I want to know. So I appreciate that. Listen, that's the only reason I do it is cause like, I want to get to it. I want to get to the real shit. Um, yeah. So have you, well, let me ask you, have you ever been to like Provincetown or Fire Island? No, no, it's on my bucket list, but I've just never, I, to be quite honest, I've never really traveled much. I moved from the Midwest to California and I mean, only when I started like, touring my podcast and stuff, was I able to go to some of these places? Because I had never been to New York until like my late 20s. It was like a place where I always 
looked, I remember being a kid and being like, oh my God, New York looks so glamorous. Like I just wanted to go to like see a Broadway show. Rosie, who we both love, she always had the yes. Broadway people on. But anyway, long story short, no, I've never been to Fire Island, but it's like on the list of, I have to get there eventually. Yeah. I mean, fi- so basically, so I've been doing hot takes and deep dives for years now and a common question when I would have like a Rosie or a Sandra Bernhard or a Margaret Cho on, like I have asked them in the course of those interviews, tell me about your, if I knew they were like New York people or, or people who I had seen perform on Fire Island, I would often ask, tell me about your times performing on Fire Island or like, do you go to P-Town? Do you go to Fire Island? And it would completely disarm them because they're not really getting asked that by other interviewers. And oftentimes you'd really get the real person. They'd be like, oh, I've been wanting to get this off my chest. And they'll like bitch about something for like five minutes or like give their take on, you know, their preference between the two. And I've always been obsessed with Fire Island. And in recent years, I've really started like doing a lot of digging on the history of it because it's the two oldest gay communities in the United States, Cherry Grove and the Fire Island Pines. And the history is so fascinating. And the two places, it's like, you would think that these tiny remote villages would, it would all just be just like gay. I mean, and it is kind of a free for all, but what plays out in these tiny villages, it's very much like a microcosm for the United States, like racism, politics, socioeconomic issues. And we explore that through the series and it's like documentary style. So there, it's all strung together narratively, uh, with interviews with like Brian Moylan, big, uh, housewives guy, um, Margaret Cho, Joe Booster, Matt Rogers. Um, I've got Lady Lady Bunny, and then people who've been there since like the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, and so. And we should mention Joel wrote a movie called Fire Island. It was just nominated for an Emmy, with, yes. uh, which also starred Matt Rogers. It's a fantastic uh, rom com. But so he's interviewed along with so many other fantastic people for your podcast, and uh, yeah. it's. Yes. He talks about in the episode that's coming out this week, he talks about being part of a 200 plus person orgy. Oh my God. Oh my God. Now I need, wait, what does he say? Tell me a little. This, this episode, no, the episode that's out this week. So like the first three were very much like laying the groundwork. Here's where we are. And it's, it has like a comedic tilt to it, but. This one this week is all about like the historic like parties and kind of the hedonistic atmosphere that Fire Island is known for. And so in the middle of all the interviews, I would just ask people, tell me about like what was your wildest experience? So I string them all together at the end of this week's episode. Matt Rogers talks about eating ass on the beach and then getting really sick (laughs) from it. (laughs) (laughs) and and like you know in the fire island movie how they go to the underwear party so like that's a real thing so like the guy who like created the underwear party he's part of it and i talked to him it for again this is all in this week's episode i asked him like did you know that they were going to recreate your event they copied his flyer that's all over fire island he's been using for you and he's like to be honest i was really pissed and it would be like calling my he's like if he's a big nightlife promoter he's like it'd be like if i were creating an event and calling it fox searchlight pictures you'd be really pissed too yeah, yeah i get that so like it's they people are really honest and really 
open. Even Margaret Cho tells these crazy sex stories. Oh, I can't wait to listen. Yeah, you. I mean, I it's got such a lore. It. There was even a reality show called Fire Island that was produced by Kelly and Mark of that um, Kelly Ripa. Yeah, I. I don't. That one sucks. I watched it, but I don't remember much sticking out for me from it. Wait, can we going back to the Fire Island movie? Can we talk about the fact that you auditioned for? This I movie? did. I did. Yeah, I did. Talk Obviously, did not get it. Um, it was talk, during the COVID. It was um, so everything. It was like early on in the self tape thing. Yeah. Main thing that I remember from it was like <laughs> trying to figure out like what's my beachwear for this self tape, and then I couldn't land on anything. Jess, thank you so much. Everyone's going to check out Finding Fire Island wherever you listen to podcasts and also your other podcasts, Hot Takes and Deep Dives, where you do uh, fantastic interviews and you're just great. So uh, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, you can uh, follow me, JessXNYC on Instagram. That's the place. Slide into my DMs. Um, I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to date. Listen, what do you? Cute. What kind of date? What do you want? Oh, man. I, I listen. I like dark hair and dark eyes. I like red hair and green eyes. Let's start. Let's start there. I, and then I normally ask my guests their favorite Mariah Carey song and the sexiest man alive. But since you're talking mm. about dating, like who who's your sexiest woman alive? Like who who's your ideal celebrity date? Listen, I love the character that Jennifer Beals plays in the L Word. Mm. Her character is fucking iconic. The character of Bette Porter. If you just p- plug in Bet Porter, you'll understand what we're talking about. Okay. Okay. Um, but my, I can, can I give my favorite more? I'm a, yeah, I'm a please. lamb. Okay. I would say in this moment, I love forever. That, Jess, that's my all time favorite song. Is it? My all time favorite Mariah song. People don't normally ask me. I love Forever is my all time favorite. It's such a classic ballad. It's from the Daydream album. I have like an emotional attachment so to good. it, but it's also, I just think a beautiful like 90s ballad that they don't make anymore it feels very much like a, a kind of a celine diani ballad or, or something but her voice is like if you ever try to hear somebody cover forever they can't do it because that song is so vocally hard to sing it's the perfect yeah. mariah song yeah it's so good a deep cut i know i'm so surprised you say that yeah that's my all-time I love favorite it. i love so much of her i know i love butterfly equal i mean i love every she's my favorite but that and one. her book was great. Yeah, it's so, so good. Jess, thank you so much for stopping by and recapping Roni with me. I want to remind listeners that I think uh, we're going to be checking in with Roni here on Everything Iconic, but we're not going to be doing the full-blown recaps uh, until maybe later on in the season or next season. We're not sure yet. We're flying by the seat of our pants. But Jess, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. I love you so much. Love you too. 